a listener production. Hello and welcome back to Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which ordinarily Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you will be gagging to share at a dinner party. Um, and this is our first little threesome or foursome, actually, oh, with Lindsay yeah. included in the mix. Um, we've been having special guests on while Rosie's been taking a bit of a break to look after her health. Um, and this week it's two for one in mm. the guest states. Uh, we have Laura and Mim from The Beanie. Laura Dawson, Mim Risby. Risby. <laughs> Welcome to Just the Gist. Thanks, Jacob. Thank We're you. so excited to be here. I feel like I could recite that whole opening phrase because I've listened to so many Maybe of these. Maybe I should have let you do the heavy lifting. <laughs> that's how it got handed to me. I just did it one time and Rosie was like, that's your job now. Gorgeous. <laughs> Great. I'll expect a pay rise. Uh, ladies, we haven't seen each other for quite some time, so we have lots and lots and lots to catch up on. I but know. before we get into any of that, can you please give the gistners the gist of who you are and what you do? Sure. Yes. So uh, anyone who's under eight or maybe their big people would know us as Laura and Mim Beanie from The Beanies. And we do lots of different things, but we're a band for children and we have a podcast with Listener that we've been here for a while now. We've been making that for a long time. We do live shows. We have music. What else do we do? We're on ABC Kids TV. All over the place. Yeah, it's fun. So uh, we have a lot of Gistners who are parents or caregivers, poor things. Um, (laughs) So why should they be um, exposing their children to your content? Oh, well, we offer really great screen-free entertainment. So if Uh you're going on a long car ride with your children and you need to keep them entertained and you don't want to just hand them an iPad, Mm -hmm. the Beanies podcast is perfect for that. They're about 20-minute episodes that have Mm -hmm. stories and songs and lessons in them and jokes for parents too because we know that they're listening along. Uh Uh-huh. On repeat. <laughs> okay, so you make it easier for them to tolerate yes, a lot of yes, other programs. Yes, we, yes, we try to. It's got lots of puns, it's really silly, and we're really focused on making every child feel really included. Mm. So we always call the children mini beanies instead of boys and girls. We mm. call their parents big people instead of mum and dad in mm. case that's not their family structure. So we really focus on inclusivity, but also silliness and just letting kids be kids and having fun. And we have mm. the best time ever recording it. So Yeah, that's we had so a parent great. once describe us as if you crossed the Wiggles with mm. Monty Python, oh. which I think is very accurate. Correct. Okay, you need to lead with that. <laughs> yeah, or Auntie Donna for kids we also got once, and oh. I was like, all of my dreams have come true. <laughs> that is glowing praise. Right? How long have you guys been doing that? Almost Six seven years. Six and a half years. Yeah, yeah. wow now. Seven years at the beginning of next year. But we'll year. just remove two for COVID. Doesn't yeah. count. Yeah, of <laughs> yeah. course. Mm. Um, and... Who came up with the idea? Where was it generated from? Laura and I kind of came up with it together. So I was doing lots of music theatre. I went to drama school and all that sort of stuff. And Mm -hmm. then I didn't like auditioning for things because I don't like it when people tell me that I'm not good. (laughs) So (laughs) I concocted a plan where I didn't have to audition for things anymore, Uh which was to create our own kids band. And Laura was a friend of mine from music theatre days and Uh she moved to Sydney and we started it together. And Michael and I, who's usually the other person in our threesome, mm-hmm. um, was... <laughs> Surprise, it's <laughs> you today. <laughs> we were touring a play around Australia together at the time and I knew he was really good with kids. I knew he was a good singer. I knew he was funny. So and most importantly, he was taller than Mim and I because mm. we are both very tall. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then our lovely composer, James Court, is a friend of Laura's from back in the day in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all kind of came together and had dinner one night and wrote some ridiculous songs and kind of the rest is kind of history Nothing now. stopped. Yeah. 
So if parents want to tune in for this, or maybe even non-parents or other forms of caregivers, yeah. uh, where would they find up-to-date information? You can search the beanies on anywhere you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. You could also follow us on socials. That's probably the easiest place to follow us, and then we'll just spam you with bean information. <laughs> okay. And by that you mean really good content. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll pop those links in the show notes if you're keen to check that out, Gisners. Yeah. Into the story. Mm. This is just the gist of two hippopotamus attacks that happened two days apart, 200 kilometres away from each other, but are linked together in at least one surprising way. Oh. This is just the gist of what I'm calling the Hippopotamus Massacre. <gasps> Of 1994. Uh, oh, should we laugh at that? Oh, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Did anyone die? Oh, uh, we'll just find out. Enjoyed the, the pun too much. <laughs> oh no. Uh, we'll find out how apt that name really is oh, no. by the end. Okay. Um, I just couldn't resist using it once I'd thought of it. Yeah. <laughs> now, what do we think of when we think of hippos first and foremost, ladies? Hungry, hungry hippo. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, hippos uh, game, nice have got strong jaws, though. Yeah. I do. I have heard like one of those wives' tales of. A hippopotamus is more dangerous than a shark. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm. I've heard that. In Africa every year, about two people are killed by great white sharks, whereas about 500 people are killed oh. by hippopotamus. They are hungry, hungry hippos. Yeah, they really are. 500 people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very dangerous. That's an obscene amount of people That's to be killed by hippos. I saw one estimate that flopped that number up to over a thousand, <laughs> oh. and I did see other estimates that were closer to like two hundred, three hundred. But it's a lot of one people. million a killed yeah. by hippos, says Facebook, and especially because they look so well. Cartoons of them look so cute. Mm, yeah, right. adorable hippo. Yeah, my brain went straight to Fantasia when I thought of hippopotami mm. wearing their little tutus and adorable. dancing about. Oh. Yes, mm. I wonder how many people are killed by rhinos because they kind of seem like just angry hippos mm. with yeah. with horns. In terms of the hierarchy, number one, actually, can you guess the most dangerous lethal animals in Africa? Scorpion? Alligators? Lindsay? In what? Africa? Yeah. Ooh. Lion? More Man? Than a million. <laughs> Very small. Oh, yeah, it's manning. Oh. Disease spreading. Oh, oh mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. Oh, oh, that doesn't count. <laughs> It's an animal, (laughs) and if we're including reptiles and mammals, Mm, we've got to include the insects as well. But, yeah, then it goes hippos, and then from there, crocodiles and elephants. Hippos kill more than crocodiles. They do, yeah, by a pretty long shot. Because they are super aggressive, super territorial, particularly the um, adult bulls, the males, that are like out and about looking to try to build their own little harem or take over dominance of another little Pod, I think they call them. Well, whoever's doing PR for hippos is smashing it because <laughs> adorable. <laughs> I'm here to undo all their good work. Yeah. yeah. Um, in particular, they attack boats. So they can just sort of be hidden away in the water on their own and then if a boat encroaches on territory that they've decided is theirs, then they'll attack the vessel and they'll attack the people who are in the vessel as well. And motive is to get rid of them, not yes. to eat them or not something. Not to eat them. Yeah. They're herbivorous. Yeah. So they don't swallow at all, but they're they just, are very, very bitey. They just destroy. Just yes. Angry. Mm-hmm. Angry, angry hippos. Yes. Very cranky. Um, Now, if you can imagine this first scene that I'm going to describe to you, this is almost like the cold open for a horror movie in the 1980s. It's April 1994, Easter Sunday. A small group of German tourists were enjoying a spectacular canoe tour on the Zambezi River in southern Africa. And glorious day, sun shining, water 
crystalline, smooth landscape, absolutely spectacular. And they were seeing heaps and heaps of wildlife on the banks of the river, elephant, buffalo, hippos, everywhere they looked. It was just stunning, like the opening sequence of The Lion King. (laughs) And the tour guide, a guy called Phil Longdon, led everyone to this little secluded bend in the river and instructed them to group their canoes together in a row parallel to each other and Mm -hmm. form what they call a leg over which is where everyone puts one foot in the canoe to their left and the other foot in the canoe to the right. Oh, so they clever. create like They're all a connected raft. by yeah. legs. Mm. And then they could just sort of float and relax, take in the scenery, enjoy the serenity and the stillness for a while as they were starting to sort of drift downstream. And then out of nowhere, this lone male hippo burst out of the reeds on the riverbank <gasps> nearby charged at the tourists, Phil shouted at the group to split up and he kicked away the canoe beside him, started to pull his leg back towards his own vessel (gasps) and in that split second, while his leg was still hanging out over the edge of his canoe, the hippo lunged for it, bit down with full force and it is a very, very strong jaw. It's four tusks skewered through his leg in four different places. Lizzie, I told you you were going to struggle with this one. The hippo dragged him to the into the water, shook him around like a protein shake. All the tourists were screaming. There was nothing they could do except just watch the water turn into this red foam while the hippo was thrashing Phil around probably mostly trying to get him off its tusks because he was kind of stuck in the hippo's mouth on the teeth. After a few very long seconds, Phil finally came loose from the hippo's tusks. And so did his leg? Pretty much. Yeah. Ripped to shreds. And then, yeah, everyone was freaking out, like, is the hippo going to come for me next? But it had just disappeared. As suddenly as it had attacked, it was gone. Like, it just sort of went, well... I think my work here is done and off he vanished. And the tourists pulled Phil out of the water. He was still breathing, which was a relief to them, still conscious, which was an unfortunate shock to them. And they gagged when they saw the state of his leg because it had been just completely shredded. The muscle pulled off the bone. The bones were broken. He was just completely mangled. But he was alive for now. Problem was, (laughs) they were in a super, super remote part of the Zambezi Valley with minimal first aid supplies and no painkillers for miles and miles and miles around. So it was a race against the clock to get him to a hospital. Mm. They paddled back to their base camp as quickly as they could to try to get help. And when they did, they left behind one item floating on the river. It was Phil's blue paddle that drifted off downstream. Cut to the opening credits. <gasps> Hippopotamus massacre. It's like Jaws, like mm. unsuspecting tourists. Right. Da-na-na-na, hippo. Mm-hmm. That wow. is terrifying. Now we get to the main event. <gasps> this commenced two days after Phil's attack with another group of five. So holiday that makers. wasn't the main event. No. Oh, that's just do the we warm-up. know? Do we get to find out what happened to Phil? Towards the we end. We do. We do. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, So these five folks were camping at another remote spot about 200 kilometres downstream on the Zambezi River. There was a guy called Alastair, Alastair's best friend, Arthur, 
Arthur's wife, Faye, and Faye's parents, Brenda and Clive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two generations, so two guys' best friend and then his family and Mm in-laws. It was the last full day of their trip and the boys really wanted to make the most of it and take the boat out on the river to do a bit of fishing and a bit of day drinking. (laughs) It's hippos there. Mm. Brenda was not keen. She didn't love being on the water. Yeah, Brenda's got some wits about her. Mm. Mm. And she was probably excited about the idea of having some alone time after four days of camping with Mm. some stinky boys. Yeah, Mm. totally. But they guilted her into coming along. Oh, Brenda. She's going to regret that decision. She should have stuck to her guns. you don't like both your legs. Mm. (laughs) They all piled into a motorboat and took off upstream to find a nice little picturesque spot where they could have a picnic lunch and crack open some tinnies and have a flick with their fishing rods. Just like Easter Sunday had been, it was another glorious day and there was heaps of stunning wildlife everywhere they looked. Everyone was having a great time, even Brenda. She couldn't deny that she was having a good time and she was catching quite a few fish. They found their perfect spot, turned the boat off, cracked open the beers, sat back and enjoyed the serenity. No, don't. That's what it'll get you. (laughs) Here it comes. Boom. Hippo attack once again out of absolutely nowhere. This time, the bow of the boat shot straight up in the air. So the boat was almost vertical. (gasps) I have a clarifying question. Please. How big are hippos? Uh, thousands of kilograms. Like ballpark. Like length? Like metres? Yeah. Are we, like, smaller than a smart car? Bigger. (laughs) Bigger than a smart car. Let me look this up. Yeah. Like a Suzuki Alto? Like, how big? Like, to topple a boat? Yeah, I reckon car size. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. In my head, they were, like, as long as cows, but that they must be much bigger. I've never Mm. seen a hippo in real life. No, me either. If you do, I hope that there is something in between you be. and the hippo. Oh, God. Uh, so a male, and it's the males that are these aggressive mm-hmm. little assholes, mm-hmm. they can get up to 1.8 thousand kilograms <gasps> and their length can be up to five metres long. <gasps> their height can be close to two metres tall. Wow, so bigger than cars. Very big, yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. They're like dinosaurs. And I, very not strong that... and wow. they can run really fast as well. Mm. This is why they're <gasps> such... Now that 500 people killer. a year makes a lot more sense. I was like, how does something the size of a cow? Mm. And it's because wow. they've got that element of surprise as well. So sneaking up yeah, on the boats hippos. coming underwater. They also don't look like they'd be fast movers. You wouldn't think no, it. No, yeah. their little legs on those on giant land, bodies. They're actually really, really agile. Wow. Yeah, but they're most aggressive when they're in the water. My God. Back so to anyway, Brenda. the boat is vertical. Oh. Clive and Brenda are thrown off <gasps> on either side. The other three were sort of thrown down to the stern of the boat. The boat crashed back down oh, onto the water Titanic and then another style. boom. And the boat was flipped. Think like table at a Real Housewives <laughs> dinner party. I believe that's what they do on those shows. All five of them were now in the water no. with the delinquent hippo that had just <gasps> rammed them. They were fully expecting that they would be chewed up and spat out. Oh. But just like what happened two days earlier, the hippo went mission accomplished, chaos mm-hmm. caused, and off I go. Mischief and managed. He vanished. And so they didn't get hurt? Not, a, not yet. No. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but they were certainly not out of danger. Oh, the God. most immediate threat was drowning, closely mm. followed by the millions of hungry crocodiles <gasps> that called the So Zambezi they couldn't get River back in the boat because it had flipped? Yes. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. 
Um, Brenda and Clive couldn't swim very well and <gasps> why very silly. Why are you silly. boating? And why aren't you wearing life jackets yes. if you are boating? Oh, so Brenda was panicking and really struggling to stay afloat. Oh, and Brenda. in her frenzy, she was trying to climb on top of Faye, her own no. daughter, to save herself. She just wasn't thinking mm. in that sense of panic. Yeah, you know how they say, yeah, she's never get in the water with a drowning person unless you've got a decent flotation device yeah. because they will try to climb oh, on yeah, top of Oh, yeah, it's like you. that bit in Titanic where that guy shoves Rose under the water and she's yeah. wearing a life jacket and then Leo punches him. Don't remember it, but I'm sure lots of listeners will. (laughs) Iconic moment. Yeah. Yeah. Along those lines, very much, yeah. Brenda pushing Faye's head underwater. Faye very, very nearly drowned, but thankfully Arthur, her husband, came to the Punched rescue. Punched <laughs> <laughs> He sort of grabbed her in a bear hug around her torso and then held her head oh, so out he of the water. So he was a good swimmer. Um, yes, he <gasps> was quite strong. Um, and that way she was able to catch her breath and then she calmed down Stopped drowning her daughter. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. While that chaos was happening, all three of them were taken off downstream <gasps> a few hundred metres by the current. Meanwhile, Clive and Alistair, they'd managed to hang on to what was left of the boat mm-hmm. and what was now upside down and also sort of on a diagonal uh-huh. jumping up out of the water, the stern, um, the end of the boat with the motor, the heavy bit, mm-hmm. that had sunk down into the river bend, and then the bow was sort of poking up out of the water and they'd climbed up onto it. The hull was cracked, so there was no point even trying to like flip it back, flip it back oh. to its normal setting. So those two boys were just watching helplessly in horror as the other three were washed away. Of course, all of them were freaking out. And then thankfully, just by pure chance, Arthur, Faye and Brenda drifted onto a submerged sandbar that they didn't even know was there, smack bang in the middle of the river. They could stand up at its shallowest. The Mm. little sand island Mm. was covered in like an ankle height. Okay. Oh, a crocodile still kill, get you in that. They oh. sure can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I learned that at the zoo. Really? Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went to some crocodile zoo in Brisbane mm-hmm. and they were telling me that the probably the worst place to be is like in ankle deep water because oh, the crocodile no. will come up silently and like without moving, it won't disturb water around you and you're just fishing or chilling or whatever and it will get you. Mm-hmm. It oh. will get your leg and then it will drag you into the deep water and just mm-hmm. take you to the bottom mm-hmm. and just hold you there and wait for you to run out of air and then eat you. Thank you for that foreshadowing. Oh, no. <laughs> I have another qualifying question about the um, river. Yes. How big? I just want a visual. How big is the river at the hundreds point? of meters across? Oh, okay. So where oh, they are, big, in so it's a big, big, yeah. It's like the yeah. big one between Zimbabwe Zambia and, and Zambia. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's not, like one of the biggest rivers. It's the fourth largest yeah, in, Africa. in Africa. Okay. And um, from one edge to the other at this particular part where mm. they are, probably about four hundred meters. Wow. Okay. So total. quite a swim back to shore. Correct. Okay. Mm. Yes. And very unpredictable currents and right. there are all these weird little Incredible. islands and sandbars oh. all over the place. Oh, don't go there. Many, that many, sounds many scary. <laughs> also, why are you going on holiday there without someone who knows mm. safety river protocols and mm. where the crazy killer hippos are? Yeah. Like, why would you choose that as your holiday relaxing destination? Just go to a pool if you want to. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Brenda? Like, okay. Uh, 
We'll get to it a little bit later, but actually Alistair still worked at this time as a safari tour guide and a hunter. And Arthur used to work with him. He's now got sort of a corporate office job. He didn't want to go back. Originally, he, yeah, was one of those adventury sort of types. So, All right, that's acceptable then. Yeah, this just goes to show how stealthy... The hippopotami. I should have checked that. What is the plural of hippopotamus? <laughs> Hippopotamuses. Um, uh, yeah, how stealthy yes. they can be that you wow. just don't know when they're going to attack and they can camouflage themselves really mm. well. Yeah. Okay, so they're on the sandbar. They're on the sandbar. Currently unscathed, temporarily safe, but in quite the pickle. Three of them on the sandbar and then 200 metres away, the other two sitting on the hull of a wrecked boat surrounded on all sides by thousands of crocodiles, and they see many them. of which they'd already seen. <gasps> yeah, because they would have been thrashing around, making it very clear yeah. where they were. <gasps> oh, they haven't had any crocodiles come to get them just yet because the sun is still high in the sky. Okay. Most of the crocs are still sunning themselves oh, on the riverbank. Okay. But as they'd been heading to their picnic destination, they'd seen heaps of them and they could still see on either shore a bunch of the really big crocodiles that weren't hiding themselves. And then they time. said, do you know what would be fun? Let's go into the water. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go for a little boating expedition in that. That looks good. <laughs> they were in the middle of nowhere, not a single person around for miles and miles, and no one knew where they were either. They hadn't told anyone their plans to go out on the river for that day. They decided that they would just wait and hope and pray that someone would come along. But after a few hours in the scorching hot sun and no sign of human life, Alistair decided he needed to step up, be a hero and try to find them help because it was getting towards mid-afternoon. It was obviously less and less likely anyone was going to be coming along before nightfall and it would be really dangerous to be in the river. And Alistair was at the boat. Alistair's on the boat with Clive, yeah. Add to that, the water level was starting to rise. Oh, yeah. Um, Sandbar's getting deeper. It is, yeah. Uh, A dam a few hundred kilometres upstream had clearly been open, so the water was sort of rising, rising, rising up their carbs. And so Alistair figured if they did nothing, they were absolutely doomed. They were mm. going to be swept away and or eaten for sure if they were still there at nighttime. So he volunteered to risk swimming to shore. He figured that his life was the least valuable because oh. he was single. Oh, <laughs> sweetie. The no. <laughs> we're all married with kids. <laughs> so his life had far less value. Uh, Incorrect to all the single people listening. Thank you. Yeah, yes, thanks. that's what I was dangling we, that out there. How do we for. feel about that, Jacob? <laughs> Mim is a smug married yeah. in our midst, but it's mm. nice to know that you've so made some empathy for us. If our little threesome ever gets shipwrecked, it's Jacob and I to shore. <laughs> You're a terrible us swimmer. It's too. definitely me. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. Um, the others tried to talk him out of it. Okay. They'd seen how many crocs there were. They didn't think there was any chance he was going to make it. They were like, no, let's just keep waiting, keep waiting. He was like, no, we're screwed. (gasps) If we just wait for the water levels to continue to rise, the crocs will come and take us at night time. He decided it's smartest to go now while the sun's still pretty hot, the Mm -hmm. crocs are still dozing in the sun. Yeah, yeah, get out of where the crocodiles are. That seems like a great plan. Mm -hmm. Yep, but you've got to go through. That's the problem. Only way out is through. He slipped into the water and as quietly as possible, he swam about 100 metres towards the shore while at the same time the river was pulling him further and further and further downstream and off into the distance. 
The others watched, biting their nails, and then they couldn't see him (gasps) anymore, so they didn't know if he'd made it successfully (gasps) to shore. But he had. He'd drifted along until he found a spot where he'd be able to climb out, and just as he was getting to a part where the water was shallow enough for him to stand up, he noticed a pair of beady eyes staring at him from just above water level. For a few seconds, he was in like a staring contest oh, with God. this three-meter crocodile oh. that was slowly, steadily swimming towards him. And he made the snap decision that the best defense was a strong offense in a situation like this. And he Absolutely. went into beast mode. Yes. Hoping he would scare, scare it the away. Croc away by acting completely insane. Okay. Screamed, lunged at the croc. The croc submerged. And Alistair did the same. He got his face down oh, in the water oh. as well so he could see. Swam in the direction of the croc, <gasps> ready for a fight, but hoping that maybe he'd scared the croc away. Wow. He had not. <gasps> he got the fight he was looking for. Oh, no. At first, the croc bit down on one of his legs, mm. but it was at exactly the same time that he punched it in the side of its head. Yes. So it sort of bit briefly and then let go before its teeth could get too deep. <gasps> Then it bit into his left hand, and again he punched it with his (gasps) right hand. It let go. The croc swam away. Alistair thought for a second, oh, my gosh, I've won. I'm the croc. I won in a punch-up with a crocodile, but uh uh-oh. The croc charged him again, bit down really hard on almost all of his right arm, and went into what you were just describing, a death roll. Where the croc spins and spins and spins Yeah, you've made him angry. Yeah. purpose of crocs doing that is twofold. Number one, they want to drown their prey. And number two, they want to dismember it. Like if they can get a limb off, um, then it makes them easier to eat. And also you're going to speed up. They don't have their punching arms anymore. Correct. (gasps) Yes. Let's get rid of those two (laughs) weapons. I really thought that was going to end well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Afraid not. Uh, Like I said, he'd worked as a safari guide for pretty much his entire life. He was only 39 years old, but he had a decent amount of experience. Wow. He knew what to expect when Mm. the croc chomped down. So he held his breath Mm. and he did what he knew was the smartest thing to do, which is wrap your legs around the crocodile Mm. and lock your ankles together, basically like giving the croc a bear hug so that his arm wouldn't detach. Oh, that makes sense. so, so he, he couldn't, couldn't like shake it, ba- shake it off. Yep, that's right. Clever. Then he tried the different tactics that he knew had been successful for other people in the past. Mim's yeah. pointing to her eyes. Yeah, yeah, you stick them in the eyes. Oh. Mm, yes. Wow, you're like Mim Beanie Croc Hunter. Well, I was at the crocodile <laughs> farm. I learned a lot there. <laughs> I was taking notes. So that doesn't work with African crocodiles. Apparently, he jammed his thumb into the croc's eye socket as deep as he could. In fact, he pushed down so hard he dislocated (gasps) his thumb. This is obviously his left hand because his right arm is in the croc's mouth. Um, And he... Yeah. For whatever, I think the croc was able to like shift its eyeball around, whatever. Oh. The croc was just not bothered, but he hurt himself <laughs> a lot more than he hurt the croc. Um, before he did that, though, he tried grabbing the croc's fingers and bending them back oh, to the point where do? they would break. Oh. That's worked for people in the past. Okay. Did not work for wow. Alistair. He had all the tri- tips had all and the knowledge. Work. 
So he should have gone straight to this one, uh, which ended up working. He shoved his left hand into the croc's mouth yeah. as far down his yes. throat as he possibly could and pushed down on the crocodile's epiglottis, which <gasps> is the little trap door <gasps> on top of your lungs that stops liquid. Oh, so he's suffocating the there. crocodile. Well, flooding the croc's lungs, yes. essentially. So that Smart. caused the croc to suddenly panic release him and then swim away <gasps> to cough up what it had just inhaled. And is wow. he doing all of this underwater mm-hmm. while while rolling? Holding He's amazing. He, to have all of these thoughts and try all these tactics while also trying to not drown mm. or have your arm dis- like torn off your body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is a hero. He's a tough, tough cookie, <gasps> yes. So the croc's gone. And Al stumbled out of the river. Yes, he'd escaped. He got as far up the riverbank as he could get in case the croc came back for more. It was dangling, basically, (laughs) hanging on by a thread. It was demolished. The bones were broken in Mm. multiple places. The elbow and the shoulder were both dislocated, so Mm. it really was just hanging off his side. He also had other bite wounds on his hand and his leg, of course, but he wasn't in pain yet because he had a huge shot of adrenaline. Mm. He was in shock. And also now he's the croc hunter, so. Right? <laughs> he's he like won. the croc the destroyer. Yes. At the end of the day, he won the a lot fight. Of endorphins cause a lot of glory, all won. the glory. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to tell this story of the public. <laughs> <laughs> um, he couldn't wait to brag to his friends, <laughs> yelled out to them, I've been attacked by a croc. Oh, now, no. they were horrified, of course, but not really that surprised. And a little bit impressed. Yeah, they're like, okay, but you're alive. That's great to know. They asked for more information, but he went quiet. What, they shouted across the river. Well, what happened? He was too far away Tell to us see about him. It. Yeah. Did you stick him in the eye? Are you okay? Did it work? Are you still going to go and get help for us? Yes. <laughs> Just so you know, we're still here. Uh, but he wasn't responding. He needed to focus on making a little tourniquet with his shirt so he could mm, try to slow fair. the bleeding. And then he was like, all right, well, I'm here. I've made it to land. I've got to take off to get to this fishing camp, which is about five kilometres away, and that's going to take a bit of time. So he started walking, but after a few metres, he was like, okay, you know what? I'm a bit woozy. A bit dizzy. (laughs) The glory's worn off. This sucks. I'm just going to have a a little bit of a rest. Yeah. Pretty spent after Mm -hmm. wrestling with that croc. He was a pretty heavy smoker, heavy drinker, wasn't in great shape, enough shape to fight the croc off, but then wasn't able to just bounce back immediately. (laughs) So he sat down under a tree for a few minutes, just hoping he'd be able to gather some internal resources and energy. Meanwhile, down on the river, the water level was continuing to rise and Clive was still sitting there on top of the upturned boat. Uh-huh. It was getting pretty obvious that the boat mm. was going to dislodge once the water got high enough. It yes. was starting to feel a bit less stable or Clive was just going to be swept off it. <gasps> and so he decided very reluctantly that he was going to have to swim for the sandbank mm. island. To the sandbank, okay. Wasn't willing to risk swimming to the shore, having mm. heard what had just happened to sure. Alistair. Sure. Fair enough. He decided he was going to go to the sandbank to be with the rest of them. Um He wasn't a very good swimmer and honestly he didn't like his chances. None of them liked his chances that much, but they figured it was the best of a bunch of bad options. He lowered himself into the water and sort of dog paddled over in their direction fighting against the current. 
his wife, his daughter, his son-in-law couldn't do anything except watch oh. as he slowly, very clumsily swam towards them and the tension just kept oh, no. building and building and building. They're thinking he's going to be taken, he's going to be taken. They're looking out over the river. Everything looked like a croc. Every branch they saw, every oh. time they saw like a little sparkle of reflection or some <sighs> movement in the water surface. How far is he trying to swim? 200 metres. 200 metres, okay. But it's quite challenging because of the fact that the current is trying to take him away. Sure. Oh, so the current's the going the other bank. way now. He's swimming with the current. With it. With the current okay. downstream, mm-hmm. but it's still trying to pull him away from the sandbank. Okay, sure. Middle, oh. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He made it. <gasps> Yay. Yes. We needed a win. <laughs> Little minor celebration oh. they had there when Ooh. he made it. But now they were all still trapped uh. and the water was still rising and they had no idea whether Alistair was alive or dead or whether help was on And he was way. just still resting? He was still resting okay. at this point, well, yeah. At least they're all going to die together. <laughs> Which is kind of beautiful. Yeah. Oh, no. I think they were pretty well aware that if they were taken, they'd be taken one by one. Oh, and is God. it better to be the first or the last? All those thoughts running through their head, right? More hours passed. The sun started to set. Still no sign of human intervention coming their way. Alistair still unable to move very far, but he was forced to move every now and then because he'd be sitting there trying to gather up some strength and then he'd start being eaten alive Mm. by swarms of vicious little ants who were attracted to the scent of his blood. This really just doesn't feel like a holiday location. Not at all. (laughs) Yeah. I've always thought I'd love to go on safari. Me too, not now. The last few days I've really been questioning Uh -uh. whether that's still on my bucket list. Uh, Everywhere you go it's like, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Yep. And he was very well aware that it wouldn't just be the ants pretty soon that were attracted to the scent of his blood. The hyenas and the (gasps) lions would be out hunting fairly soon. Oh, God. Down on the river, water still rising. It was now well past their knees and they knew that the crocs would absolutely come for them at night time. They were just sitting ducks. Yeah. And they were like extra visible because the moon was still almost full that close oh. to Easter. They had nothing to protect themselves with. They were completely effed. And then Arthur spotted something floating downstream. No. And it wasn't a brand. The blue ore. <gasps> Correct. <No. Yes. gasps> Phil Longdon's blue paddle was floating directly towards them. It had been two days since Phil had been mauled by that hippo. I like to think it was the exact same hippo, but there is zero evidence to (laughs) I think it was too. Surely there's only one hippo that's that angry. Mm. Wow. The ore had drifted all this way, and just when this group of strangers needed a weapon, (gasps) there it was. Arthur waited out, grabbed the paddle, just before it passed them by, and everyone on the sandbank celebrated they had something to fight the crocs off with. They hoped. It was better than having nothing. It's good, but what are you you really going to do with that? Yeah. And just boop them a little bit. And just like, (laughs) stay back, croc, and like swing it around. Start splashing and then get to slapping, basically. Yeah. But that guy just put all his fingers in all of the eyes and that didn't really do much. Yes, they weren't aware of that yet, oh, though. That's true. Because yes. when he shouted out, yo, what happened? He's like, I'm having a nap. Yeah. <laughs> no time. I'll fill you <laughs> in later. Just pop him with the oar. <laughs> 
Um, so their plan was they were going to stand in a circle all night long, back to back, facing outwards, keeping watch, and mm-hmm. any time they spotted a croc coming nearby, hopefully they, they would it. see it. They'd rotate around so that Arthur could be the one to whack the water really loudly, um, try to scare it off, okay. sure. or, yeah, hit it as hard as he possibly could. Oh, gosh. Not a foolproof plan, but better than nothing. Mm. Yes. They just had to hope that more than one croc didn't come at the same time. What yeah. are the chances of that ore coming down at that time? Right. That's amazing. Uh-huh. That was the thing that hooked me on yeah. this story. Yeah. Wild. The sun was going down. The temperature was dropping. Everyone was shivering and also in quite a lot of pain because they'd been standing in wet sand Mm, for hours and hours at this point. It really sucked to be them Mm. and it sucked to be Alistair as well. As it got darker, he could hear the lions snarling and he could hear the hyenas cackling and he knew that his wounds made him smell like a delicious roast dinner to Mm. all the predators in the area. All he could do was gather up a collection of rocks that he could throw at any hyenas or lions okay. coming yeah. at him, which was pretty much inevitable. They'd as good as a magical ore, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he didn't have enough to last him the whole night, but he wasn't going to go down without a fight. How so is he even carrying them with his dislocated thumb and his other... Them up. <laughs> Making a little pile beside oh. himself. Like I said, he was a tough cookie. Oh, sweetie. Sat down next to his little Panic collection rocks. of missiles, yes, and he just waited for the carnivores to come. Uh. Sure enough, he heard grunting and rustling getting closer and closer, and whatever was coming sounded big. He held his breath. If this is this bloody hippo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Not the hippo. Oh, thank God. Not the hippo. In a way, more poetic. (laughs) It turned out to be a giant Cape buffalo. Again, a fully grown bull with massive curved horns (gasps) emerged from the grasses staring at him. And the reason I say this is poetic is his specialty was hunting Cape buffalo. So he had killed hundreds and hundreds of this creature's kinfolk. And Cape buffalo, also notoriously dangerous. They kill about Mm. 200 people per year in Africa by trampling them to death and goring at them with their horns. So he was like, And do buffaloes like blood? Is that why the buffalo came? No. No, No, he's just just looking around. Yeah, Yeah, just curious. Just chilling. Oh, good. Another animal who would like to kill me. Yes. And And not eat me. this one may have a personal vendetta (laughs) against me. But I've got rocks. Yeah. (laughs) Look out. <laughs> well, now he had a choice. Do I use the rocks? Oh. Or is that just going to antagonise mm-hmm. this animal? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because so far it was acting fairly peaceful. Mm-hmm. But he had still sort of resigned himself to the fact that at any moment this male could get very aggressive and territorial and could come and stomp me to death and I guess it's kind of what I deserve. It's karma. But then the buffalo just sort of stared at him, came a little bit closer lay down and just kept chewing on its cud. And he was like, "Hey, I think this guy's protecting me. I think I have a 3,000 kilogram bodyguard on my side right now. But yeah, he just sort of went, okay, well, if he's going to look after me, then I can doze off and get a good night's sleep. So he went to sleep. It's lucky he didn't throw the rock at him. Correct. Mm. Yes. That Mm. could have ruined everything. Mm. Meanwhile, Brenda 
Clive. Oh, I Faye forgot about and them. Arthur. Oh no, they'll be they, right. They've got the orb. <laughs> <laughs> they spent the night in terror, fighting off crocodiles with their little paddle. They didn't think they were going to make it to morning, but their strategy worked. No, it was the longest night of their lives. Every wow. second felt like forever, but finally. The sun rose. So they on did. They did day. fight crocodiles with the orb. They did. So yes. you're telling me, old mate, put punched it, put his fingers in their eyes, kicked it. It still ripped his arm off. <laughs> they had nothing These but a piddly little orb. Yep. And they fought off multiple crocodiles. Uh huh. Wild, right? Wow. Yes. That orb is magic. Whatever. For yes, right? There's got to be. be. <laughs> I don't believe in the supernatural. <laughs> that like, makes sense. <laughs> There's got to be something. I hope this aura is in a museum somewhere. Yeah. Yes. So the sun was up. They were staying vigilant, but the crocs would start sunbaking soon, so that would reduce their danger level mm-hmm. somewhat. They'd be so tired. Oh, absolutely wiped and so miserable. Yeah. I think by that point I'd be like, just let the croc take me. Mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> can't. Um, Alistair was woken up shortly after sunrise by the sound of the buffalo getting up and Mm. heading off to start its day. Just as that happened, Alistair heard what he thought was a motor. And he thought, okay, that's a boat. That could be someone who could rescue me. Got a jolt of adrenaline, stood up, hobbled back down to the edge of the river, very wary of crocs, but very excited that there could be a boat out there nearby. Scanned the river up, down, up down, couldn't see any sign of a boat. So then he thought, okay, maybe it was a plane. Mm. Maybe it was a hallucination. Mm. I can't stay here and wait. It's time to start heading off to this fishing camp that (laughs) the whole point of me being here and going through that ordeal with the crocodile was to try to get to this fishing camp. Let's go. Gather your rocks. Let's go. Yeah. Started trudging. Two hours went past. Then three, four, Mm. five, six hours went past. He was only semi-conscious, but he was still on his feet, stumbling along one in front of the other. He kept picturing the other four still standing there on their little island, Mm. hopefully. Oh, gosh. (laughs) For all he knew, they could be gone. But hopefully they were still there waiting to be rescued and he knew he was their only hope. Yeah. But he was starting to run out of steam. He didn't think he was going to make it. Mm. Then he heard the sound of a motor once again. This time he was almost certain it was coming from the river, really sounded like a boat motor, and he could hear voices too. (gasps) So he made his way back down to the river's edge again, and he could see a boat with two people on it. He tried calling out to them, but his voice was too weak. He could barely make a sound. Again, another Titanic (laughs) reference. I got that one. Yeah. he then just sort of weakly tried to wave oh, With his one them. good arm and yes. his dislocated thumb. Oh, gosh. Minutes were passing and he still wasn't getting their attention. Like you can imagine how filthy he was. So he was very, very well Throw the rocks at them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then finally one of the fishermen spotted him. They turned the boat in his direction Yay. and... Once they got to him, you can imagine the sight he was to behold. Yeah. He tried to sort of explain to them what had happened and they were like, it's okay, it's okay, we'll just take you to get some help. Lifted him into the boat, took him to the fishing camp, got him some first aid and, of course, sent someone to go and collect the other four, Mm -hmm. hoping that the other four were still where they'd (sighs) last been seen. (sighs) 
When the boat came along to rescue them, you can imagine how relieved they were that a help had finally arrived and also when they found out that Al was still alive. Wow. Wow. Then they got to the fishing camp and they saw what dreadful shape he was in and they were like, oh, crap, he still might not make it. Gangrene had clearly set in. Crocodiles do not have very clean mouths, so the wounds were very, very, very badly infected. He needed to be in a hospital immediately, but that was going to be tricky because they're in such a remote location. It took a few hours for the rescue plane to arrive. Al was loaded into the plane on a stretcher. The pilot was ready to take off and the plane wouldn't start. No. No What what other animal had ruined the plane? (laughs) (laughs) We'll put this one down to the murder hornets. Gosh. Yep, plane wouldn't start. They had to send for another plane, wait another few hours for it to get there. It really didn't look like Alistair was going to make it. This is like two days after the hippo, right? That's right. Wow. So much time has passed since that one freak attack. Well, I shouldn't say freak attack. It happens hundreds all the time. Hundreds of <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Jeez. I'm never going out on a boat no. unless it's a really, really, really F off big boat <laughs> on a river in Africa. When he finally did get to hospital, the doctors worked some sort of medical magic and after a few rounds of surgeries and a bunch of skin grafts and a ton of antibiotics, it looked like he was going to make a full wow. recovery with almost full use of Whoa. his arm. No. Yeah, they tried really hard to prevent amputation <gasps> being necessary and they were successful. How That's good amazing. science. And this is 1990s mm. medicine wow. yeah. as well, I might add. Yeah, so incredible that yeah. they were able to do that. Wowee. Meanwhile, Phil Longden, the tour guide who'd mm, been chewed the up oar. by the hippo mm. with the oar, with the leg, mm. he was in a hospital not that far away mm. from Alastair. He unfortunately hadn't been so lucky. His leg did have to be amputated because in the hours it took to get him to hospital, Mm. um, he developed not only gangrene but also osteomyelitis, which is a rotting of the bone itself. So there was just nothing they could do to save his leg. But he also survived. He recovered from the terrible infection, septicemia. He was alive. And days passed and he heard the story about the other group. (gasps) And he found out about how Arthur had spotted this blue canoe paddle that had miraculously appeared just when they needed it. And that's when he realised that was my paddle. Whoa. And had I not been attacked by a hippo, that paddle wouldn't have been there. Saved all those Those four people wouldn't have made it through the night. Wow. Was it worth it? <laughs> Would he do it all again? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Let's hope it put some sense of peace into his yeah, heart wow. to know that what he had gone through had led directly but unintentionally to mm. saving the lives of four complete strangers. And so that was just the gist of two very nearly <gasps> fatal hippo attacks connected by the same blue Paddle. And yes, I called it the Hippopotam Massacre, but surprise, no one died. Oh, twist. And if you're disappointed by that, <laughs> go and have a long, hard look in the mirror. <laughs> Ask yourself why. And of course, as always, if you want more than just the gist, I've got some links in the show notes that you can check out. Uh, a really good article from Reader's Digest from around that time, a couple of articles from um, some. African publications. Wow. And wow. also, they did an episode of this on. Um, uh, what's it called? 
I Shouldn't Be Alive, which is oh. on Amazon Prime. Oh. Uh, you might remember Rosie did an episode one time about people who survived a shipwreck. It was yes. the sinking of the Trashman yacht mm. and they were terrorized mm-hmm. by sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Yeah, they made an episode of I Shouldn't Be Alive about that. They did the same about this Yeah, I feel like this story. should be a movie. Mm. If Cocaine Bear is a movie, this should be a movie. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> and also, what I will say, in the interest of brevity, for that episode, they cut out everything about Phil Longdon and the oar. So when you watch it, they just magically have an awe. All of a sudden, there's no explanation given because they needed to keep it only 45 minutes. And so they cut off. I know, the best bit. That is the best bit. Yeah, I'm glad you agree with me. So ladies, thank you so much for coming on that ride with me. Yes. Doesn't it just make you think about human instinct to survive Mm. and like what you will do to to stay alive? And this podcast has also served as an excellent lesson on how to fight off a crocodile. Yeah. I now know all those things. I don't know if I could do it underwater (laughs) while trying not to drown. Yeah, so what were they again? They were wrap your legs around. Wrap your legs around if you're stuck in a death roll so your your limb can't be removed. arms in the... Throat, mm-hmm. get the epiglottis yep. and drown Go the, the epiglottis. And if it's not it an African crocodile. It has worked for people in the past that you the can eye, stick your eyes, thumb yeah. in its eye. Mm. Um, and punching. The punching worked. The punching worked. Mm. Apparently it has worked in the past that you can bend their fingers back and until bending they fingers almost back. break. Or but trying magic to psych or. it out. <laughs> yeah, just, just carry get a magic, magic with you yeah. everywhere you go. Yeah. So ladies, remind me, where do we find you <laughs> if we want to follow all the activities that you get up to? As the beanies and in your own yeah. personal life. So we've got an Instagram. Sure. It's at the beanies A-U-S. Yes. And then we're at Laura Beanie and at, well, Laura underscore Beanie at Mim underscore Beanie. Mm. Mm. Terrific. Easy to find. Again, in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you all so much. We'll be back next week. Thanks, Chicken. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, Gisners, there is more to come next week. We've got another story to serve up for you. Here's a little nibble of it. Have a taste. The thing about the bands is because they're just a piece of silicon, they cost like 40 cents to make each in China or whatever. The big problem too is a lot of knockoffs stop being made and unfortunately the placebo effect with a knockoff is pretty similar to a power balance band. (laughs) (laughs) The best one I found was just blatantly called the placebo band. And they were were selling it on Amazon for three bucks. Yes. Listener.